0: Ronananian. It's what I always say. A repair shop is clearly only as good as the people in it. It doesn't matter what sign is over the door.
1: I like to drive about 80 miles an hour when I'm on the open road, and I don't
0: know if a four cylinder engine can do that. Okay. What do you think? It'll do that from a reliability perspective. The reliability factor is only affected by how much maintenance you're willing to do. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open but i am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900 and now thank you thank you very
2: much here's
0: ronnie you know it's about inspiration versus perspiration hello and welcome ron and in the car doctor here live at 855-560-9900 here to take on and solve your car problem whatever's been haunting you the car doctor is in let's get started let's get under the hood it's all about inspiration Engineers are inspired. At least I hope they are. I wonder if they are. I worked on a bunch of cars this week, folks, and I'm telling you right now, I'm warning you for those that call in. I'm a little bit of a cross between Rush Limbaugh and Reverend Al Bundy. So because I've been there, I've seen it, and I'm going to rant about it a little bit because it was an ugly week at the shop in terms of what I had to fix and work on, and I fixed each and every car. 2007 Subaru crossed the doorstep this week. Simple enough problem, or so I thought. Check engine light on. It had been out to a couple of different repair shops, a few dealers. Nobody seemed to be able to fix this car. It had a P0456. In English, an evaporative emissions leak less than 20 thousandths of an inch. So we're looking for a leak or loss of fumes thinner than the thickness of your hair. Got out the smoke machine, went through the usual drill, went through the diagnostic routine, scanned it, proved it, got it. Pulled the smoke machine out. The flow ball kept going, telling me, yeah, you got a leak somewhere. What do we do next? If you're a regular listener to this show, you've heard me talk about EVAP, you know what you do next. You split the system in half. You go back. You find the vent line going into the tank. You verify if the tank is okay, and if the tank is okay, you work your way out, and if not, go solve the problem at the tank. Sure enough, the problem's in the tank. The fuel tank has some sort of a leak. Now, The inspiration of the engineer at Subaru at some point, before he fell off the chart into the accounting department, and they said, no, you can't make it right, you can just sort of do it halfway, was that if you needed to service components in the gas tank on Subaru, you can open up the trunk, take out the 14-panel switches and dials, and you have access to two fuel pump plates. And you're able to service the fuel pump modules right there from the trunk. And I suppose the reason they did that is because they realized how difficult it is to actually remove the fuel tank. Well, I found out how difficult it is to remove the fuel tank because the leak wasn't from the fuel pump modules. The leak was from somewhere under the floor pan of the vehicle in the gas tank itself. And I should point out also that if you get out to the Facebook page, Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor, there's a step-by-step, blow-by-blow, increasingly painful every time I look at a diary of this event as it transpired, and you'll actually get to the end of this repair of the week before I do if you do it right now, so sit tight and don't do it just yet. I ended up having to take the gas tank out. I knew the leak was there. I had seen problems with these before, and I was hoping it wasn't a repeat, but this one was different. This was a failure not like I've seen, and this one was based on the inspiration of the engineer and the limits of the accounting department. When I removed the tank, by the way, did I tell you how I had to remove the gas tank? Well, let me tell you this story. To get the gas tank out of a Subaru, you have to take the rear suspension, rear differential, the exhaust system, the drive shaft out of the car. When you look at those pictures on Facebook, you'll see there's a shot there of some of the parts in Third Bay, which was right next to Bay 2 at the shop. It looks like the car exploded and all the pieces went over to the right. Well... At this point, I've got 80% of the rear of the vehicle apart and on the floor of the shop. Now I can see the gas tank. Hey, this is where I'd do it. This is how I would design it. So the lack of inspiration of the engineer creates perspiration in the mechanic because he's really got to work to get this thing apart. And it turned out, and if you look closely at those pictures, you'll see there's two little white rollover valves. A fuel rollover valve is in the event of an accident. The vehicle turns over prevents fuel from sloshing and going where it's not supposed to, but it also allows it to vent. It's a safety feature. One of the plastic, did I say it was plastic again? Rollover valves. There's a little 3 16th diameter plastic nipple that comes off the end of it. The weight of the rubber hose attached to that rollover valve started to cause it to oscillate and vibrate with road vibration and road noise and, and road hash, so to speak. And over time... It developed a hairline crack. Less than the thickness of your hair. And the EVAP test picked it up. The smoke machine picked it up. The mechanic had to go find it. Naturally, when I had it down, there's two rollover valves in this particular setup, like a lot of the Subarus. You change one, you change the other, because you don't want to have to pull the tank again. It's got the same crummy design where the the weight of the hose hose gets brittle and stiff over time. It pulls on the plastic nipple. If one broke, you know the next one's going to break. And I'm here to tell you that that did solve the problem. A whole lot of perspiration later, put the tank in, put the rear axle up, put the suspension up, bolt the cradle back up, put the sway bar links back up, put the charcoal canister back in place, made sure the seven different hoses and vacuum lines that I had to disturb, which really kind of makes you wonder, you're here trying to prevent the system from having an evaporative emissions leak, and you got to disturb every connection in the vehicle. You sure hope you can get this eight, nine-year-old system to seal back up again without having to spend any more money for the customer. And I was lucky. I was fortunate. I was able to get it to do it with a couple of tricks. And it does work, and the car is fixed. But you have to look at those pictures and say, what was the engineer thinking? And the answer is, I don't know. Hello and welcome. Ron and Andy and The Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900, here to solve a problem just like that one for you. Yeah, it was a long, tough week. There were a couple other things. We're going to talk about them this hour and next. There's another hour of this radio show if you're on an affiliate that happens to take both hours. But the heart of this show, what this show is really all about, and if I haven't scared you off yet, and if I have, I'm sorry, is to call in, 855-560-9900, because I can solve your problem, too, whatever your car's got going on together. I'll get you down under the hood with me, and we'll talk about it. We'll resolve it. By the way, I want to point out, And um, this is the first announcement of this because we actually just sealed this deal moments before we broadcast today. What are you doing Labor Day weekend? Well, if you're in the Northeast area, if you're going to be in the New York, New Jersey, Connecticut area, or you can come from anywhere, really, we're going to be at the Sheridan in Mawa, New Jersey, here today gone to Mawa. And we're going to be joining the Dead Man's Curve Car Club. As they put on their Wild Hot Rod Weekend, we'll be there with them at the Sheridan in Mawa, New Jersey, doing this live broadcast, 2 to 4 p.m., and uh, we'll be looking forward to that as we help them celebrate Labor Day weekend with their Wild Hot Rod Weekend. That's coming up this September 3rd through 6th. The Car Doctor and gang, Tony, Tom, Fast Harry, yeah, even Fast Harry, we'll all be there that Saturday, 2 to 4 p.m. And by the way, there'll be a certain black 55 Chevy parked right out in front of the broadcast booth as uh, the car doctor gets the thunder in and take a ride. Imagine that, I get to take the hot rod for a ride to work to do radio. That's going to be a first. So uh, we're looking forward to seeing each and every one of our fans there. If you're local, come on out. If you're not, you want to take a ride and come see the car doctor and group and spend some great time with a great bunch of car people, A 1,000 cars, four funny cars. They're going to fire up four funny cars, 10,000 horsepower at once. Probably knock the hotel over, but what the heck, it'll be a good time for all. And um, that's coming up this Labor Day weekend. Hey, let's pull over and take a pause. The car doctor's phone number is 855-560-9900. We're coming back to open the garage doors right after this. Okay, so the secret's out. Ron and, and the car doctor here. Yeah, okay. The boys are going to now tell you. Uh, let's see. How old am I this year, fellas? One hundred and seven. No, we thought you were twenty-five. Uh, that's right. I'm only twenty-five years old. You know what? I feel twenty-five. Um, I have to listen. I have you feel to, twenty-five.
3: You look thirty-five, and uh, we just carded you when you walked in here. That's you, all.
0: You know. I. You know what? You have to. You have to be young of mind, especially if you're going to fix cars all day long and. From what I'm seeing coming around the country, it's, uh, I'm going to have to be around for a while yet because uh, it's getting scary out there. By the way, I should point out on that Subaru, there is one good thing about that Subaru, and I will make a comment to this. And then we're not going to talk about the Subaru anymore because uh, it's the thing nightmares are made of. You know what the one good thing about Subaru is? I've decided that car company makes Volkswagen look good. No! Oh, yeah, that's right. So thank you, Homer. Let's get over and talk to Betty in Palm Desert. See what's going on with her 2005 PT Cruiser and uh, some questions about AC. Betty, welcome to the car doctor. How can I help?
4: Hey, Ron. How
0: are you today? Good, dear. What's going on?
4: Besides the heat bugging me, uh, my car, there's a... What, you know, I'm not a car person, but my little car only has 60,000 miles on it. As you know, I talked to you before.
0: It only had 60,000 miles on it then, too, Betty. we got to get you to drive it more. That was three months ago. It's yeah. So
4: anyway, let me just tell you what happens. Um, I... It's in the garage all night, and I, since I've been using air conditioning, of course, it's, it's on the off. And then I turn it on to the on position, and as I back out of my driveway, what happens is I hear a big pop right underneath where I'm sitting. So it's under the car, and I call my mechanic, and uh, he said, don't worry about it. It's the compressor, um, it's something about a compressor. And all I know is if, the, if if the car is running and I'm I've gone somewhere and I start up again, it doesn't pop. It's just when it's coming out of the cold position, I guess. And and it's I don't want anything to pop while I'm driving on the freeway.
0: Well, but to, I don't
4: know what it means. Right. To, and to That's be all.
0: clear, if if you feel it under your feet,
4: well, it's under the it's under the car.
0: Right. It's, it's under the right. car. The AC compressor is all the way forward in the right front corner. So I don't see a rationale why the AC compressor turning on and off or being on is all the way up. It's basically up by the right front headlight, and yet you're oh, no. getting a, you're getting a noise under the vehicle. Yes. So w- what I would be concerned or what I would be thinking about what's common on PT cruisers, uh, two things. Number one, make sure both lower control arms, the rear control arm bushings haven't failed. Wait. The Repeat that, please. The lower control arms, all right, basically it's a part of the suspension. Uh-huh. And the way they attach that control arm or that suspension piece to the subframe is through a rubber bushing. What's very common is when you're backing up, as you put the car in reverse, it shifts the load of the engine and the transmission, and it causes the subframe to stress, and you will actually pop that control arm and pop, 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 pop. As it travels backwards down the driveway, you put it in drive, and it will shift it again. And in some cases, if the bushing shifted one way, now it's going to go the other, and the noise goes away. So you may think it's air conditioning related, but it may not be. It may be more suspension.
4: But it doesn't happen unless I, I tried it. With Backing the seat on and off, right. Air on,
0: because the load no of the, the, no Because the load of the air conditioning may be causing the shift, because it does change how the engine runs.
4: Is it something I have to
0: worry about uh, until the mechanic gives you a better answer then don't worry about it I would obviously yeah. obviously you're worried about it you called me and I would be I'd be curious there's always a cause and effect Betty there's always a reason why something happens and what will that create later on but I would look at lower control arm bushings and I would make sure that both the upper and lower engine mounts are in good condition. These cars have a habit of cracking the dog bone mount that sits down low, just under the air conditioner.
4: Uh-huh. As
0: a matter of fact, if, if it's if it's not broken, you've, uh-huh. pro- you've probably got the only one in America that isn't. So, uh, oh wow, yeah, very common, very common fault. The right side engine cradle mount, that lower dog bone, and sometimes the main mount that's into the timing cover, they fail too, especially in heat, especially on an older vehicle. They dry rot; the rubber gets brittle. And it starts oh my to crack. Gosh. So it's it's something to be looked at. Listen, don't get alarmed. You gotta remember it's it's only a car and the car is eleven going on twelve years old, but you do I have to maintain it. it. Yep. You do have I to love maintain it. it.
4: I don't want it to so, die.
0: Nope. So then you you get your mechanic to get a look at these things. Now I'm gonna tell you right up front if your mechanic says ad, don't worry about it, and those parts are bad, you gotta find the new mechanic. That's the next thing. Change is a tough thing to accept.
4: Well I'm gonna ask uh, if you would mind, I talk to your assistant there after we hang
0: up. Sure. And Harry, Harry will go over all of it with you. Not a problem. Oh, that would be wonderful. All right. Stay on the line, Betty, and Harry will take care of you. Let's get over and talk to Mike in Rye, New York, 2010 Nissan Ultima, and a no-start. Mike, you're on with the car doctor at 855-560-9900. How can I help?
2: Good afternoon. And yes, Thank sir. you very much. I've been listening to you for years, and I'm glad I found you again.
0: Thank you, sir. I'm glad you did, too. How can I yeah. help?
2: Um I, uh, this is, uh, I bought this car from a dealer a year ago. I've had no problem until about a month ago. I went out to start it, and nothing happened. I pressed the button, I put the uh, 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 foot on the brake, uh, and nothing happened. And then uh, I kept doing it, and suddenly all the dash lights came on, but no starting. And then uh, a third time, it blacked out. There was nothing going on. Okay. Uh, perhaps, you know, five or six times, and it would start. Right. Uh, and...
0: Uh, do, you have, do you have brake lights when this happens, Mike, or no brake lights? Mm,
2: the funny thing, you mentioned it. Uh, what happened was uh, I took it to, to my uh, mechanic. He couldn't... There was nothing. Uh, but last Monday... Uh, I had it. I took it to him, and it did exactly what it was supposed to do, not start. And he did say the brake light, that red brake light, not the one that you press, you know, that comes on. Right. But the little brake light. And then he asked me uh, to look at the lights, and the brake lights did not come on. Okay.
0: Okay. You got a pencil? Yeah. Okay. Take a look at Nissan Bulletin NTB.
2: NTB.
0: Nancy Tom Baker. All right. Ten one thirty nine. It's been out there about five years. It came out in November of twenty ten. And it talks about problems just like you're describing to the letter. And the dead giveaway is the bulletin references that when you don't see brake lights and this car goes into a no start event, the problem becomes the onboard computer doesn't know Mike's trying to start the car. <laughs>
2: Right, because the brake is, uh, something's wrong.
0: Right. And and what happens is the bulletin references there is a repair kit that they will replace the brake light switch and the harness assembly and improve and upgrade that part of the system, and it should make the problem go away. They had issues with brake light switches, and it affected the uh, ignition switch as well because that was one of its main inputs.
2: Now, is this something that my guy can do, or do I have to do it uh, at uh, Nissan?
0: Talk to your guy. Get a copy of the bulletin. What I always tell everybody is get a copy of the bulletin. It it should be readily available if your mechanic has Mitchell or all data. He's got to have some kind of electronic information. If you're a mechanic in this day and age, hey, you get by with that information is beyond me. But, uh, you know, he's he's got to have some sort of electronic information system. He uh, does.
2: I mean, I. I, I but yeah. I don't think he didn't know where to go.
0: Right. Tell him to go look for this bulletin, NTB ten one thirty nine. He'll find it under. Um, he'll find it under electrical engine. No crank, no start. Uh, we've done a few of these, and um, as long as he's got access and he's, he, he reads the bulletin, he's comfortable with it. He should be able to do it and uh, resolve it for you. So, good luck to you, Mike. If you need me, and um, he has any other questions, by all means, Ron at cardoctorshow.com. And I'll be glad to do what I can for you, and I'll be glad to help. Hey, I'm Ron in The Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. There's more to come. Stay tuned. I'll be back right after this. We're on an Indian, The Car Doctor, rolling along at 855-560-9900. By the way, for 75 years, the folks over at Wix have, have been protecting engines. You know, on radio, sound is very important. Let's try that again. Hey, for 75 years, the folks at Wix have been protecting engines, and um, they are just a great filter to count on. And because of that, to help celebrate their 75th anniversary and their 75th birthday. Hey, we're talking birthdays, right? It's The Car Doctor's birthday this weekend. They're going to be giving away another... 39 Ford Coupe Hot Rod. We're uh, going to be giving away another 118th scale 39 Ford this weekend. This Matter of fact, this hour, somewhere between now and the top of the hour, we're going to be giving it away. It's a period black paint car, custom cream and red scallops in each fender. It's color-coordinated red interior full moon disc and uh, it's kind of a neat piece we've been giving it away uh we gave away a couple more uh, prior this year and uh, everybody seems to enjoy them so when you do call be nice schmooze fast harry it's up to fast harry he is the judge as always and he will decide who gets that wix filter 75th anniversary giveaway let's get over and talk to nick on line two 2002 ford f-150 in a check engine light nick welcome to the car doctor how's things down missouri way
1: Oh, not too bad. Hot, like everywhere else. Yes,
0: sir. What can I do for you?
1: Well, I' check engine light's been on. I have a mechanic. He says I got a vacuum. Leak. It's been on for a long time. Yeah. Doesn't hurt the way it runs. Runs fine. They say so I got a vacuum leak. They've checked it with... Whatever they do, the spray and all that stuff, right? And they can't find it, and, and they really not hurting anything, but it's just aggravating. I just started looking at the light, you know.
0: P zero one. So it's, if this is a lean fault, this must be P zero one seven one P P zero one seven four. Does those numbers ring I, a bell? I, I, I,
1: I don't know. Okay. <laughs> you know. All right. It's it's been so well. Actually, I think maybe they do now. That you mention that. Yeah, it
0: sounds familiar, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, kind of
1: that. But it's been a long time since I did. You know, check it because every time he tells me the same thing. Right. So, well, and, so and they can't it, find it.
0: And, and here's the problem with driving around with a check engine light on, Nick. A check engine light works on a priority system in in, in one way to look yep. at it. So the fact that it's seeing it's seeing lean fuel trim. It suspends two thirds of its other tests. So the sad part is you could fix this check engine light and two weeks later the light'll come back on for another fault that was created by ignoring the first one. Or as a result of right. ignoring the first one. You know, so we gotta get this fixed. So let's let's talk about this real quick. All right. A zero fuel trim, just put a zero up on, on the top of your head. A zero fuel trim is a balanced air-fuel mixture, all right? In in high school auto shop, they always taught us that was stoiometric, and I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. I've heard many people complain over the years. But to me, it's, 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 it's stoiometric. It's 14.7 to 1 air-fuel mixture. It's a balanced air-fuel mixture. That's what the computer's trying to achieve. If it has to add fuel because it's running lean and it's not performing as per its lookup table, that is a lean condition adding fuel. You will see the fuel trim count up, plus one, plus two, and so on. You will see this on history. There's a thing called long-term fuel trim. There's a, an item called short-term fuel trim. Short-term fuel trim drives long-term. So it, it's kind of like, what you have for dinner last night, Nick? Do you remember?
1: Uh tuna
0: <laughs> okay so you had tuna that's all right man you know what everybody's got to eat tuna once in a while it happens so chances Price are tomatoes, w- yeah. w- what you had for dinner last night is going to affect what you do for dinner tonight right because you don't want Good, tuna two yeah. nights in a row so fuel trim does the same thing all right fuel trim's always looking hey what did i have last night what's doing what was doing yesterday that's going to affect what i do today long-term fuel trim short-term fuel trim by the same token If the vehicle runs rich, if it is too rich of a fuel mixture, too much fuel, it will it will uh, subtract. It'll be minus one, two, three, four, and so on. The numbers to look at are you will typically see, you know, most cars run in that plus or minus ten to fifteen percent total fuel trim. Beyond twenty percent, cars start to set fault codes. That being said, having a rudimentary understanding like that, let's talk about your vehicle. If it is setting a fuel trim fault for both sides, all right, both banks, 171 and 174. The first thing I want to know is what kind of shape are the O2 sensors in, do they respond, do they work, and does it have any vacuum leaks? Now, you're saying that your mechanic is spraying. Do you know what he's spraying?
1: Uh- no, I don't. I've got a feeling
0: he's—he's he's probably, uh, you know, using carb cleaner, throttle body cleaner, and he's spraying around the intake gaskets, looking for signs of enrichment. Probably a fair assumption.
1: Yeah, it could be, or maybe I don't know, maybe soapy water. I have no idea. Right. Just looking okay. For bubbles or something. Right. Well, I no. That's, yeah. And no,
0: hopefully, we're not doing that. Here's what I want you to do. You want to find out if your mechanic's doing this right? Here's what. Well, here, here's, yeah. here's what I want you to. Here's what I want you to ask him. All right. Here's the way I would do it. Yeah. All right. I would plug in a scan tool, bring up fuel trims for both banks. It's a V eight, so there's a there's a bank one and a bank two. You can bring up fuel trim for bank one, bank two. And I would bring up the oxygen sensors for bank one, bank two. I have you know that those blue bottles of plumber's propane that you see in the hardware store? Those small little bottles.
1: Nick? Don't move. Little, little camper bottles? Yeah, little air.
0: camper bottles, or, you know, like plumbers use them to sweat pipes sometimes in the old days, and, I, you know, I, they still oh, probably yeah, do it today. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's a small yeah. little bottle of propane. I have a fuel right, – I have, a, I have a regulator on the end of it. I took a piece of brake line. I peened it down so it, it's a very thin crack, and I use that as my fuel source. And I'll start the car up, and I'll open up the regu- the fuel regulator knob a little bit, and I'll let it sniff around the intake manifold, and I'm watching the fuel trim, and I'm watching the O2 sensors looking for a response. If I see the O2s change, if I see the fuel trim spike, or all of a sudden it's going into negative because it's taking away fuel because it's seeing that additional fuel, I know I've got a leak. It's that simple. All right? Now, it's not uncommon for these trucks to have intake gasket leaks. What's very common for these trucks, and it's very hard to see, is in the back of the engine... When you take off the upper plastic cover and the throttle body in the back where the PCV comes in, there's a rubber grommet there. And if you look at this while the engine is off, you'll never see it because it it, it looks solid. When you start it, the rubber has actually collapsed onto itself. So it's sort of like if you took your cheeks and went, you know, kind of pinched them in. It'll look like that because the engine is actually sucking the hose shut and it's a vacuum leak at that point, also, where it cracks. So, take a very careful look at the PCV system in the back of the intake manifold where it comes into the base of the throttle body. Very common well, to fail. Put
1: on a, he did put on a new PCV valve. I just had right. to put one on, just, get, but that didn't.
0: That right. Well, well, the PCV valve. <laughs> isn't the fault if if the hose is collapsed. If the hose is collapsed, the the valve is, you know, on the valve cover, the hose has to go over to the base of the intake at the base of the throttle body. If that hose is split and soft and collapsed, that will create a vacuum leak. So let them take a look at that. So, But that's how you begin to diagnose this fault. Now, last, once you determine there's no intake leaks, the O2s are working, the PCV is good, there are no other vacuum leaks, then we've got to start to talk about testing the mass airflow sensor, but I'm going to save that for another day because I don't want to overload you. All right? Uh, this is a fuel system problem from the sounds of it, and, you know, it's got to get fixed because you're only creating more damage as time goes by. If he can't fix it, we're going to find somebody that can. All right, sir?
1: Yep. You, yep. you, you run All through right.
0: those things. Let me give you an email. It's easy to remember if you don't have a pencil. Ron at Cardoctorshow.com. Just spell out doctor. Ron at Cardoctorshow.com. If you send me some test results, I'll be glad to get back to you and help you any way I can. All right, sir.
1: Ron at car Ron
0: dot .com. Okay. com. All right, Nick. Good, all right, thank you. Good luck to you and yours, and uh, have fun down there in Missouri Way with all the heat wave that's going on. I understand it's going to get toasty. I'm Ron Annie and the Car Doctor. I am back right after this. Hey, welcome back. I'm running Inny in the Car Doctor, a kinder, gentler car doctor this hour. Let's uh let's pull over and take a okay, not really. Tom wants Tom's looking at me like what happened? No worries, don't worry, Tom. I'm just kind of lulling everybody in. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. And uh let's go over and talk to Mike, Lacrosse, Wisconsin, twenty twelve Toyota Camry. Mike, you're on with the car doctor. Oh, How yeah. can I help? Yes, sir. What's going on?
3: Uh I have a two thousand twelve Toyota Camry L E. Okay. Um, and I've developed some road noise, which I'm told is related to the tires. Uh, There's about 80,000 on the car right now, and at 30,000, I put a new set of radials on. Um, The ones I got at the time were a a set of tires. They're rated, like, for 60,000 miles. Okay. I service the car every 5,000 miles. I rotate the tires every 5,000 miles. At 70,000, Took the car to have its service, rotated the tires. When I got back in the car, started taking it down the road, started noticing some road noise, kind of a whoop, 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 tap, tap, tap. Very evident around 30 to 40 miles an hour. Then when you get it up on the highway, it just becomes kind of a consistent noise because the noise speeds up. All right. Took it back to the dealership, said, hey, I got this road noise. They test drove it. They said, yeah, you do. Uh, We think your tires are feathering. Okay, so what causes the tires to feather? You probably have a suspension problem. Oh boy. Okay, what type of suspension problem do I have?
0: I, I don't like where, um, this, I don't like where no, this is going. Probably
3: you're having something going on with your struts, you know, don't worry about it now, but before we put a new set of tires on, we should probably replace your struts at that time. So I go back home, get on the internet, look up feathering of a tire, and nine out of ten articles say, Hey, you probably got front end alignment problems. Right. Specifically your toe. Seventy-five thousand miles. I take the car back into the next service. I have the front end alignment checked. And he said, No, oh, nothing's wrong with your front end alignment. Okay. So now we're back to do I need new struts? How do you know if the struts are bad? They said, Well, sometimes they can leak, but sometimes they don't. So we would get in the car, drive it with you, and and have you accelerate quickly and if the front end picks up, probably struts. Or we'd have you brake quickly and if the front end dips, probably says you got struts. So my question is, is the road noise properly diagnosed and it's strut's going to be my claim to fame?
0: Wow. It's nice to know that we're buying lawn furniture for service advisors in Wisconsin, too. Um, let me start here, Mike. When they rotated the tires and it started the initial problem, did anybody think, hey, why don't we move the tires back to where they were and see if the noise goes away?
3: They did not.
0: Sure. But obviously
3: at 75,000, the tires did get moved back because all they're taking is back to the front and the front to the back, and the noise didn't go away at 75,000.
0: Are they crossing them at all, or are they doing it straight up to the front, front, front up and back?
3: My understanding is they do not cross them, just back to the front, back okay. to the
0: back. Are the tires, are, do you know if the tires are positional, meaning they they can't be rotated side to side, that they are, they are directional, I'm sorry, they're not positional, they're directional, and that the, the tread design limits how they can be rotated?
3: Sir, I do not know that.
0: Okay. So that would be my first question. A feathered tire means that the tire going down the road is starting to pick up its outside edge and pickle the tread. All right, it's, it's causing a little bit of a noise. Now, logically, you would have the noise before you rotated the tire, not after. All right? So okay. I, I'm kind of concerned as to why they're all of a sudden taking a look at struts. If the struts aren't leaking, if the struts aren't noisy, if you're not traveling down the road and hearing any knocking or any excess sound from under the suspension area, you would know it. I don't think this is a strut-related problem. If the alignment's in, I think the issue is more in the fact that the tire's uh, have a problem now the question i've got is how much tread depth is left on the tire and is it consistent across the board i'll tell you what mike while you ponder that question and wait maybe you can give me an answer stay put let me pull over and take a pause and i'll return right after this i'm running and in the car doctor don't go away Any in the car, doctor? Here, let's see if we can get back to Mike, Lacrosse, Wisconsin. Mike, are you there, sir? Mike, hello. Yes, sir. We're talking about yes, your we We're talking about your twenty twelve Camry. My first question is, why are the tires being rotated straight up, to, straight up front to back? Understand that if the tire is feathered on the front and it's it's worn on the edge, or it's it's starting to pickle, or it's starting to lift the side a little bit of the side the edge of the tire, changing the direction, making that left front the right rear will help smooth that tire out and extend the life of it. And there are some situations where you purchase a tire that is positional and directional and can only go one way and be on one side of the car, but you do limit the life of the vehicle, uh, life of the tire rather, I'm sorry. I'd be surprised if these are uh, directional tires, but it was just something to consider. If not, let's try crossing the tires. Let's see where that goes. Does that change the noise at all? All right. Um, yep. I, I, I can't say that it's not related to when you rotated the tires because they weren't put back right away, and it depends on how the tires wore. My my first or my last question and my closing question is how much tread is left on these tires, because you said you did them at thirty, I think, and they were a sixty thousand mile rated tire. Here you are approaching eighty. How much can be left on them? Are you better off starting off? with a new set of tires and begin the diagnosis from there. And I would rather see you do that if the tires are worn than purchase a set of struts that you may not need at this point. I'm not convinced this vehicle needs struts, and that's my bottom line. All right,
3: sir? Yeah, 430 seconds, I think, was the last tire tread rating on the last uh, checkup at 75. So
0: it's it's got 230 seconds to go. We changed tires at 230 seconds. So, you know, how consistent is that four thirty seconds? Is that across the face of the tire or are they measuring it just in the middle? What do the edges look like? How are they worn? I'll tell you what, Mike, stay on the phone. Give Past Harry your information. We're gonna send that Wix thirty-nine Ford out your way, help ease your pain a little bit. It's a one eighteenth scale thirty-nine Ford coupe hot rod from the folks over at Wix Filters. They're celebrating their seventy-fifth anniversary of helping protect America's engine. So stay on the line, Mike in Wisconsin. I'm Ron Any and the car doctor saying, Wow. Fast hour, real fast hour, and a uh, real great time being here. We're happy to be here, and um, keep Labor Day weekend open. As a quick reminder, we'll be at the Sheridan Crossroads in Mawa, New Jersey. Till the next hour, I'm reminding you, good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See you.